Well, my name is Scott Reevely, and I am here this morning to try once again to convince you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is uh, such good news that it has warranted us talking about it and going over it, uh, you know, one and two and three times because the, the beauty of what God offers us and the certainty that we don't have to experience condemnation is so good. And it's so good that I don't want to miss it and I don't want to be guilty of having treated it too quickly or too lightly. So we're going after it one more time this week. And so I hope that you'll be convinced again that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And in order to do that, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll begin in verse 1 where it says that very thing. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we'll try and develop his reasons why there's no condemnation. So Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened through the flesh could not do, but by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the the big idea of this whole section is one that I don't want you to miss, and it's one that is simple and clear that there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. If, on the other hand, you are not in Christ Jesus, God has, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, has condemned sin in the flesh so that the sin in the flesh is condemned and those of us who are still in that sin, in that state of being, we do experience condemnation. And so you're either in one of two conditions. You're either uh, in Adam, in the flesh, in sin, and experience condemnation. Or you are in Christ, living by the Spirit, and free from condemnation. There is an either-or thing, and He's wanting to make sure that you recognize the beauty of the opportunity that you have to be free from condemnation completely in Christ. There is therefore now 
no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Then, he develops that in four ways. Uh, it, as you look through the rest of the paragraph, uh, there are markers that tell us these are the reasons you should know there's no condemnation. For the law, verse 2, of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. Part of the reason that you shouldn't feel condemnation is that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from that old way of living. Trying to please God by your performance. Trying to do a little better. Try a little harder so that God might be a little happier with you. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free from that. That's the first reason. Talked about that last week. The second reason, and this is probably the, the heart of it all, the center of it all, is that what the law could not do because it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. The law couldn't improve your behavior. By trying a little harder, you just couldn't make yourself more pleasing to God. So that somehow you could free yourself from the condemnation of sin. You can't do that. The law can't do that for you. You can't do that by your own performance. And yet, that's still the default setting for most of us. Most of us, when we, when we mess up, we say, oh, I'll never do that again. As though somehow that pledge is going to solve it. Right? Or we say, well, I'm going to try a little harder. As though my increased effort is going to somehow fix the sin that I've previously done. But the law can't do that. And it is weak because of the flesh. I'm weak. But God has done it in sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin so that those who trust in Him, as we've sung already, can have their sin erased. And when your sin is erased, there's nothing for God to condemn you with. And so you're over here in Christ Jesus, free from condemnation. And God's done that. And those are the two substantial reasons that we talked about last week that He leads with. It says there's no condemnation because sin's taken care of. And the righteous requirement of law, what God requires of you, is fulfilled by Jesus. And so you're in Christ and there's nothing to condemn you with. So there's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And that settles for God any reason that He might have to condemn you. There is, on the other hand, the experience that you and I have or the way of thinking that we have that is, you might say, our mindset. Because many of us are pre-programmed to condemn ourselves. We're very quick to say, oh, you idiot. You knucklehead. Why are you doing that? And we go through these same... you know. Sin, wash, rinse, repeat cycles in our consciences so that somehow we think that's going to improve things. And what he talks about now 
in these next two reasons in verses five and six are the, the, the freedom, what the freedom looks like from condemnation. And so here's what he says. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so if you are living in the flesh here, in a natu- which simply means I'm living in a natural way. I'm following natural impulses. I'm thinking natural thoughts. What comes naturally to me, I do, I think, I say. Those who are living over here are going to, by definition, think about the things that belong to this way of living. It's that simple. And those who are over here in Christ Jesus, those who are in the Spirit, who, who live here, are naturally going to think about the things that are spiritual. The one follows the other. So, just a reminder... Okay, this is the way that he's developed the whole idea before is that you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. You are living by the Spirit or you're living, or excuse me, by the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. You're going to live in one way or the other under the leadership of either Adam or Christ. And when you do, you're going to think about the things that belong to that way of living. This is, you might say, this is the way that works. Okay. If you're in the flesh, then you're going to have a mindset of the flesh. You're going to set your minds on the things of the flesh. In fact, it's your default setting. That's all you're going to be able to do. And so if you're in Christ, the same thing is true. You're going to mind spiritual things. You're going to be spiritually minded. And that, you might say, is the key. To be spiritually minded. And what this does, I, I don't want, <laughs> uh, I had to pull out my logic textbook. I'm just going to confess. Okay? So there is the mode of affirming and the mode of denying. And the mode of affirming in logic is here we go. You ready for this? If A, then B. If A, then B. Simple enough. That's what he's doing here. Very, very clearly in this text is if you are in the flesh, then you will mind the things of the flesh. If you are in the Spirit, then you will mind the things of the Spirit. Okay? Simple enough. I think the reason he does that is so that we will know beyond the shadow of a doubt in which sphere of life we live, whether we live in the flesh or whether we live in the Spirit. In other words, if... Okay, you're gonna, I don't know if you're going to like this or not. I'm just going to say. If you do not mind the things of... Uh, or if you, if you do not mind the things of flesh, you're not in the flesh. If you do not mind... This is the mode of denying... Then you do not mind the thing. Then you are not in the spirit. Excuse me. If you do not mind the things of the spirit, you are not in the spirit. 
that clear enough? If not B, then not A. That's the logical construction there. Which is simple enough. Okay. The reason that's important, though, has to do with why I condemn myself. I am, I am inclined to condemn myself thinking that uh, my own performance is somehow going to gain my favor with God. And I'm going to try a little harder. But I've failed, so uh, shame on me. And I condemn myself. What am I doing if that's the case? If that's the case, I am in the flesh thinking like a fleshly person. Thinking like a natural person. If on the other hand, I recognize what Jesus has done for me has set me free from that way of thinking. And now I understand that God's approval of me, God's acceptance of me, may I even say God's enjoyment of me, comes from Jesus, not from me. And so, if I'm not thinking like that, I may not be over in the Spirit. I may be in the flesh. That's the warning. That's what I'm hoping all of you will will take a deep breath and say, how do I normally think? Am I spiritually minded? Or am I, on the other hand, naturally minded? That is... The issue. Okay, so he, he takes up the same idea again and goes, goes around the, the, the bush one more time. And he says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, now that, that causes me a little bit of trouble. And I, I think it's going to cause you a little bit of trouble too. Because it looks to me like what do I need to do? I need to think differently. I need to set my mind differently. But we just said, right? That if I am in the flesh, I can't think differently. I can only think naturally. If I'm in the Spirit, I can't think differently. I can only think about spiritual things. And so, what this does, this, um, um, the way he says, the way it's translated, I should say, for to set the mind, it's like, oh, I need to reset. So I'm going to think differently. As though what we're doing here this morning is a self-improvement, self-talk seminar. Okay? It is not a self-talk seminar. Because the setting of the mind happens when you are born in Adam living over here or you are born again in Christ living over here. That's where the setting gets set. Literal translation of this, there is no verb in this, in this verse. It, it's hard to translate, so that's why it looks that way in your translation. But the mindset of the flesh, death. The mindset of the Spirit, life and peace. The end. That's all there is. 
You're either going to experience life or death based on the way that you're thinking because of where you are in Christ or in the flesh. Okay, this is is the way it looks fully developed. If A, then B. If B, then C. Haha, there you go, right? All the way through. If A, then B. If B, then C. Therefore, if A, then C. You didn't think you'd get this this morning, did you? Sorry about that. I think it helps understand, though, kind of the way that he's trying to convince us that you can know if you're in the Spirit by the things that you think about, by your orientation in life, your mindset, your attitudes, what your heart is attracted to. And it isn't trying to live over here and intermittently, maybe on Sunday, maybe on some other time, feel bad and think, I need to be more spiritual. That's not what we're talking about. That is not the mindset. That is a, that is a, a momentary um, pang of conscience, perhaps. The question is, what is the overarching mindset that you experience in the flesh, or this overriding uh, affection and thought process and orientation that you have in the Spirit. And you can see why you might go in reverse here into the mode of denying, right? Which leads you very quickly into self-condemnation, right? I don't always. Oh my. I don't always, you know, think spiritual thoughts. What am I going to do? So this is why I think he brings up this way of thinking, this uh, mindset, this orientation, so that he uh, lets us know what we are, uh, which state we are in. What is the condition of our soul? Because it is the condition of our soul that drives the, the, the thought process of our minds that then ends up either with death or with life and peace. And so it's probably helpful to step back a moment. Because you can, you can look at all kinds of things in... Um, the scriptures and say they are uh, they are natural. Okay, the, the the clearest one here, one that I love, is Peter. You got to love Peter. Peter was a natural guy if ever there was one. And if something you know if something passed through his mind, it came out his mouth. And he had just said to Jesus, "You are the Christ, the Son of God." He had just confessed the great confession that said, Jesus, You are the Messiah. And then, Jesus said, You are right, Peter. And guess what? We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. And then, it passed through his mind again. He said, that that should never happen. No, you're the Messiah. You can't go be crucified. That's bad. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Here is Peter, one of the great you know, apostles. In fact, 
It was Peter upon whom, well, who, who made the great confession there. And he would just articulate for the very first time that Jesus was the Messiah. And he's in trouble here for thinking natural thoughts. And what is the natural thought that Peter is thinking? The natural thought, the thinking the things of man. He's saying, the way that this works here, Jesus, do you ever find yourself explaining to God how things need to work? <laughs> the way things work here is, you know, sort of upward mobility. You know, you ride in on a white horse. Jesus said, no, I'm going to ride in on the donkey. He said, and you're going to be crowned king and you're going to conquer. He said, no. I'm going to be crucified. And then I'm going to rise from the dead. And that will ultimately conquer. And Peter does not get the way that things are working. And so he's thinking in the natural way about the way that life works. And that's a, uh, an indication. Okay, Peter was thinking in the, the natural uh, way. And Jesus rebuked him. I'm just showing you these because it does, the, the Scripture does indicate you ought to take care of the way that you think. Pay attention to the way you think. Set your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. Do you find yourself thinking about eternal things? Thinking from an eternal perspective? Evaluating your life based on what will really matter a, a hundred, a thousand years from now? Are you so broken about your sin or the effect of your sin on other people or on this world that you find yourself saying, oh God, I can hardly wait to go home. I mean, that's setting your mind on things above, not on things of earth. I, mean, I suppose on the contrary, you could set your minds on things of earth and say, you know what? I'm just so happy here. I just love my family. I just love the, the, the comfort of the fact that I can turn on the hot water and it comes into my house. I never thought about that before. It comes into my house. It comes into my shower and I just feel so good. I just want to soak this up and live here on this earth forever. Where does your mind go? Another sort of way of thinking spiritually is do you consider other people more important than yourself? Looking to their interests, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Are you setting your mind here on uh, you know, aligning it with the way Jesus would think if He were interacting with the people you interact with? That's, that's the spiritual way of thinking. If that never crosses your mind, then you ought to be careful in, because you might be over here. Or later in Philippians it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, why would it say you ought to think about these things because that is the way of thinking in the Spirit over here. 
That's the mindset of the Spirit. Now, one of the things that we struggle with is that we're never going to think perfectly. This isn't a condemn yourself because you're not thinking perfectly talk either. Okay, what this is, is a, first of all, I want to help you evaluate which is the main thrust of your thinking. Does it go this way into the, to the natural way of thinking or into spiritual things? And when you go this way, is your knee-jerk reaction, wait a minute, that's not the way that I ought to be thinking about this. That's not the spiritual way of looking at life. If I'm sinning, it's like, is the first thing I want to do repent? And say, God, I, would You break the power of that in my life? Or is it, you know what, I think I can get away with this this time. I wonder if I can get away with it another time. There, there are two ways of thinking about your life. And this is an invitation to say, you know, set your minds on things above. Another um, place that this is spelled out in, in bold colors is in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, um, patience, self-control. All of those are ways of thinking, aren't they? I'm thinking in a self-controlled way. I'm thinking in a kind way. thinking in a loving way or a peaceful way. As opposed to all the things that come from the flesh. Earlier in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about all of these, you know, strife and selfish ambition and, you know, drunkenness and orgies and all those things. They're the way of thinking over here. And so, the question is, what are you enjoying? What are you, you know, what is captivating your imagination? And this is a, this is a serious question because if the, the logic holds, right? That if A, then B, if B, then C, if A, therefore C. If my mindset is such that I'm just thinking natural things, the way that will take me is toward death. And if my mindset is along the things of the Spirit, if those things we looked at, setting your minds on things above, thinking about you know, how Christ would approach things, thinking about uh, whatever is good and lovely and pure and right, if, if that's the overarching way that I approach life, that will lead to life and peace. And you're... the beauty of this is that it's not merely self-talk. It's not merely reprogramming the way that you speak to yourself, though that's part of it. It's going the level deeper than that to say, what I really need is this complete reboot over here so that I'm no longer natural. I'm born into Adam, living by the flesh. I must be born again if my mind is not to condemn me anymore. Okay, that's, that's the way that this goes. If I'm going to be free from condemnation, I must be in Christ. And that changes the way that I think and the way that I condemn myself and the way that I experience grace and the beauty of the spiritual things and eternal life to me. That's what's going on 
when I'm born again. And so he goes all the way back. There is, there is a place to say, okay, if my life was a tree, what kind of fruit is on the branches? Okay, that's a little bit of what we're talking about. What do the leaves look like? What does the fruit look like? What are the thoughts like here? Because that's going to tell you what kind of tree you have. But the invitation in Romans 8 is not just to look at the tree and evaluate the tree, but to say, tell you what, you need a transplant. You need to be picked up from living this natural life and to trust in Christ as your Savior and to embrace Him and be united with Him so that you're pulled out of here and taken over here and planted here. And then, and only then, can the the fruit change. Then and only then can the leaves be different. Because ultimately, it's a work of God, not a performance by you. That's why it's not, oh, i just got to try harder to think a little better thoughts. It's not that. You need the work of God to give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. It's a new covenant promise that He makes. And when that happens, you're transferred out of this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. Out of the flesh and into the Spirit. And when you receive that transfer or that heart transplant, then the mode of your life changes. Now, some of you are probably going to argue with me right here. And you're going to say, well, I think I'm over here and I try and I don't think spiritual thoughts like I think I should. Okay? And I will admit that I probably don't either. And we get a little farther along to Romans chapter 12, and he says that you present your body, living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship, and be transformed. Okay, the transformation that takes place over here happens by the renewing of your mind. What God is doing when you are in Christ is He is maybe thought by thought, okay, adjusting your mindset so that it becomes spiritual. And you are transformed in, in your experience. You're transformed in your relationships. You're transformed in your attitudes. You're transformed in the words that come out of your mouth when your mind is renewed. And it goes back to this mindset thing. Because ultimately, that comes, you might say, from the ground up through this newly transplanted tree so that it bears a different kind of fruit. In the Spirit. One of the questions that comes up is, can't someone over here please God? Can't someone do some good thing over here and make God happy? Okay, I don't know if that thought ever crosses your mind, but I think people can do good things. Okay? There's no question they can do good things. But, if you recall, in fact, I invite you to look in your Bible. I'm not going to flash it up here, but if you look in your Bible, in uh, 
verse 3, it's uh, chapter 8 says God condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned us over here. So I can do all the pleasing things I want to on this ship that is sinking, but the ship will still sink. I'm not going to be able uh, to please God in any significant way if I am a natural person. Because, he says, the way that this person thinks is hostile to God. The way that the natural person thinks is a way that is offensive to God. They're thinking about just natural things. They're thinking about ways that, to live that are in rebellion to God. They can't submit to God's law. In fact, notice what it says. It goes pretty far, doesn't it? Indeed, it cannot. You are unable by your own effort and performance to grab your will, you know, by the steering wheel and get it over here to please God. You can't do that. You're unable to. In fact, that's how it sums it up. Those in the flesh cannot please God. And so, the ultimate, the ultimate conclusion of all of this And this is a beautiful thing. And this is why you can be free from condemnation. The ultimate conclusion of this is that your freedom depends on Jesus, not on you. I just wish that I could, by saying it, make it so. And that I could completely rid myself of snapping back there. That my mind would ultimately always be renewed. Always be thinking about things above. Always be delighting in spiritual things. And, uh, you know, I came pre-programmed over, from over here. I carry with, some, with me some of that old operating system. And some of, the, some of the viruses that were part of that system are still infecting me. And one by one, by God's grace, over time I'm being transformed. My, my hard drive is being cleaned out so that I am uh, new and I'm free from condemnation in Christ. Because if I'm natural, I might do good things, I might think an occasional good thought, but I am still you might say, on the sinking ship. In the realm that is condemned. And if I am, I will experience condemnation. And so ultimately, see, this is, this is, a, this is a hard thing to really get. Because everyone thinks that Christians should be nice and should behave well. And that's what defines a Christian. Okay? What defines a Christian is have they trusted Christ and been united with Him so that they are free from condemnation. They are in the process of being more and more spiritually minded all the time. Being, renewed, being transformed by the renewing of their minds. And that will issue one day 
in their better behavior, in their better speaking, in their better lifestyle. But it is ultimately their identity in Christ that defines what a Christian is, not their performance. Their performance is in progress. The tricky thing is, people think, if I just make progress over here, I'm going to be fine. It is not about improving yourself and making progress. It is not about obeying God's law better because that law is weak and can't fulfill righteousness in me. It can't, it can't take care of any of my past sins. I am still stuck in this condemnation unless I am in Christ being transformed by the renewing of my mind so that my mindset is different. That's the invitation. It's to get all the way down to the roots of this spiritual life so that you experience different ways of thinking and different outcomes in your life. Death or life and peace. That is what is here. That is what, that is what frees you from condemnation. And so my hope and prayer for you is that as you think about what I've been saying, you think about what's been here in these first verses in Romans 8, the first thing that you'll do is, is you'll say, hmm, what kind of fruit's on my tree? What, what, what's the way that I am normally thinking? Where is the affection of my heart? Do I care about spiritual things? Do I care about sin? Do I care that God's offended? Do I care that Jesus died? Where is my heart? Okay, so there's some evaluation first. And as you, as you do that, you'll say, you know what? I do trust Christ. I am sure that the thing that is going to define me now and forevermore is that I trust in Jesus and I am in Christ. Then your, your flashbacks to the previous life, your your failure over there, your failure here, is now erased. And God is over that. And He doesn't condemn you for it anymore. And He invites you into a relationship with Him where you belong and you're loved. And there's no condemnation. And that's what needs to happen for all of us. And I know that people are different places. Some people are over here and they're in church on Sunday trying to be over here by good performance. That's not going to work for you. There's some people are over here who are beating themselves up, condemning themselves for things they did over here or for things they're still doing. You know what? You just need to recognize that you are a new creation in Christ over here. And that that changes your relationship to condemnation, for sure. And so people, different people are in different places. And so I, I trust that God will help you where you are to make the progress so you're just happy that God has done for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And when He's done that for you, you can have life and peace because there's no condemnation in Christ. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I trust that you would that you would renew us in our minds. That we might think more spiritual uh, thoughts, more uh, heavenly thoughts, more uh, happy, eternal thoughts. That our lives and our minds would be transformed because we're in Christ. But Father, don't let any of us attempt to fix the externals of our lives by trying a little harder. Would You cause us to trust Christ more completely? That's really what uh, we need. It's the invitation You give to us. It's the de- I believe Your desire for us is that we might experience a life that is free from condemnation because of Jesus. So would You help us, I pray, in His name. Amen.